We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van What is going on, my friends? Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm CVV Chris Van Fleet, and are you ready for this one? Like, are you truly ready for this? It's such a good conversation. It's been a little over two years since the last time we talked to Killer Cross. Kevin Cross was definitely before he was Karrion Cross. Back then, he was just leaving Impact Wrestling, and he was going to see where he wanted to sign with next. He ended up going to WWE and had an amazing career in NXT, but kind of kind of fell apart when he got to the main roster. And he digs into that a little bit more. We talk about it all. And we also talk about films and filmmaking. Went down quite a rabbit hole there. I feel like I could talk to him for hours about filmmaking. He's just such a fascinating guy. And this is a fascinating conversation. You definitely see a very different side of him than you saw with his character work with WWE. Give him a follow. On social media, he's at Real Killer Cross. If you're not following me already, I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And I would hope that you're following the show. But if not, it'd be awesome if you could grab your phone right now and hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Our fan of the week is Goofy Fernandez 200, who says, Beast, Chris Van Vliet. Chris, Chris Van Vliet, the mecca of interviews. That's what it says. If you remember when I did that interview with the Young Bucks, Chris Van Vliet, the elite, the, the elite. I read one review on every single episode. So if you have an iPhone, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second right now and leave a review on there. And I read one out as my way to say thank you for being on this journey with me. Also, Spotify has a rating system now. So if you could go in there, click on the show and then click on the five stars, that'd be so awesome. Also, if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen that I've been traveling a lot lately. I was actually just back home in Canada for Christmas where it was minus 27 degrees Fahrenheit with the wind chill. Yeah. As you know, when you travel, public Wi-Fi is notorious for being a hotbed for hackers to steal data. And I use NordVPN because it helps me protect from hackers and just gives me peace of mind when I'm traveling. So easy to set up on your phone or your computer and it's super fast. And you could also access content from 59 countries by changing your virtual location with just one click. So I'll let you in on something with that. Of course, you can watch Hulu and Netflix and HBO Max in other countries, but I've recently been using it 
so I can still access the WWE Network instead of watching it on Peacock. Because I think a lot of people would, would tell you that the content's better on the WWE Network than Peacock. And even though I live in the U.S., I still have the WWE Network. Mm-hmm. Grab your holiday season deal that they have going on right now by going to nordvpn.com slash CVV or just use the code CVV. You'll get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. They also have a 30-day money-back guarantee right now. So if, if you're not sure about VPN or you just want to give it a try and see what it's all about, you can get your money back if it's not for you. Again, nordvpn.com slash CVV. And if you're interested, take advantage of this deal now because it's only here for a limited time. NordVPN, nordvpn.com slash CVV. And the link is also in the show notes. All right, let's get to it. Please welcome Karrion Cross, a.k.a. Killer Cross. Well, so good to see you again, my friend. And you as well. I think people are like blown away more than anything by the fact that you have hair now. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's nonstop. Is it that people didn't think you had hair and that's why you, you were just shaving your head because you didn't have hair? I think it's a mixed bag of, you know, perceptions and opinions on the subject. I mean, you know this about me because we talked about this last time. I've become very committed to character work, you know, and I thought the character would be best presented and suited as bald because uh, there's a lot of character patterns and um, behavioral personality traits associated with people that shave their head. Um, you know, like it's you can't style it. You can't put product in it. Um you know, for someone who is tactical, for someone who doesn't care to participate in society and certain levels of, you know, social dynamics, they would shave their head because they're going in for war, they're going in for combat or something like that. I felt that the character presentation at the time would not be concerned at all with having hair. I would go that deep into it. So I, I went to a lot of acting workshops and stuff like that and watched stuff online about how professional actors and stuff like that would approach their craft and i love wrestling and i want to be you know the best version of myself so i would apply that stuff i would learn into you know into what i was doing yeah and i think one of the biggest things that people took out of our last conversation which was over two years ago that's crazy to think about but i think one of the biggest things people took out was your commitment to the character and the way that you looked at wrestling as an art form rather than i think some people look at it more of a like a sport and you were like really into like the character work. Yeah, totally. And to me, to me, it's, it's all of that. You know, some people put themselves in very specific lanes of what this is to them or, or what it's supposed to be or what it should be. I think it's comprised of many lanes. That's the place that I come from with this. Um, I think you're going to wind up not you, not you specifically, but you in generalities uh, speaking, I think a person can like, wind up frustrating themselves in this industry or out of this industry if they try to overdefine exactly what this is. Because like I said, it just encompasses so much. Yeah. So last time we spoke, it was September 2019. It was, right, it was all out weekend in Chicago. And you had a lot of options before you at that point. Like you were just figuring stuff out with Impact Wrestling. That was just coming to an end. And I feel like a lot of people were like, He's going to go to AEW. Was that ever an option? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I, man, I don't know if you'll remember this because I can't believe it's been this long. I really can't believe it. But uh, 
So right around that time, I I was trying to swerve people as to where I was going to go because at yeah. the time when I put the post out on Twitter, I already knew. And I was trying my absolute best to protect that as much as I could, you know, try to protect your work. And so I was like, hey, where would you like to see me next? And it was an overwhelming amount of people that said that they wanted to see me go to AEW. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I had that Peter Griffin moment. I was like, <laughs> yeah. was like um, and so I don't know, like, I know there was a lot of different ways to look at that. But one way I looked at it was like, it kind of pissed me off. And this is my own doing. I understand that it wasn't meant to be this way. But I thought to myself at the time, when I saw the overwhelming amount of people wanted me to go to AEW versus WWE or New Japan, I was like, well, why, do people, why are people so convinced that I would find much more success in AEW versus WWE? Do they think that I can't become successful in WWE? Do mm. they believe that? And I was like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to show them that I can and I will. And, you know, I, I you know, was already you know, a done deal pretty much at that time, sort of. But uh, I understand, you know, as time went on that they weren't saying it in a resentful manner. They were saying it because they thought that I would probably be able to find the best version of myself there, right? So so what was the, like, what finally made you decide WWE or NXT specifically is the place where I know I could go and succeed? Well... I feel like there's a lot of people out there who are going to relate with this. And there's a lot of people who are not going to relate with this, but I want to be honest with you. I was honest with you last time. To be honest yeah. with you. I knew since I was a little kid, when I was watching this on TV, that I could be there and I could do this and perform at the highest level. I knew that since I was a little kid and little kids think they know everything. Wow. So it's hard for your parents and your family and your friends to really like get behind statements and these ideas that you have as a child because they want to steer you in the right direction. They don't want to burst your bubble. But like as time went on, nobody in my family was ever doing anything like this. They lived in a very practical world, uh, very realistic. And, you know, they would go for what they knew that they could, you know, essentially get and they would work hard for it. So this seemed like, you know, these people are on TV. What are you going to do? Climb inside the television and be with them? Like, it just seemed like such a foreign idea to get involved with that. But to me, it wasn't. I'm telling you, man, I, had, I felt something here as a kid that that told me that I could do it. And um, it was the first thing I ever watched was WWF, WWE. Yeah. And part of me always wanted to be there. I went to a wrestling school initially in order to learn how to do this at the highest level to go there. And over the years, you know, I would meet people that would discourage me from doing that, or I would feel differently about it, or I'd see something and I was wondering, you know, can I hang with these people? Can I do this? And you find places that you're working in that you really love uh, independently. And, you know, it's finally, I just really got committed into making the decision to take it seriously and pursue it. And when I did that, it happened. I mean, you mentioned on Renee's podcast that it was John Moxley who was kind of like, you can do this. Like, you can go to WWE and you can be really successful there. Yeah, I really, man, I really needed to hear that. And that feeling that I had since I was a kid, I let people uh, subconsciously um, chip away at that. And I feel like that happens to all of us, different things, you know, in life. And we want to do something and we, for some reason, for some sort of validation or for some sort of level of confidence or reinforcement, we ask our friends or we ask family, hey, do you think I'd be good at this? 
And that's not always the best thing to do. I mean, sure, everyone would love a support system, but I think I just, I let the wrong people, um, and that wasn't necessarily their malicious intention to take away from that feeling I had, but man, I got really far away from something I was absolutely certain of. And um, I'm when he said that to me, I was like, I read people very quickly, and this is not a lip service guy. He could absolutely not care whether I'm going to go or not. He's telling me because he really thinks that. Yeah. So I was like, I need to, I need to listen to this. This is a message from the universe right now, and I better, I need to pay attention to this. It's a really interesting idea because when you're a kid, you can tell your parents, your friends, your family, I want to be insert anything here, and they'll go, Great, of course, Kevin, you can do that for sure. Something happens as we get into our adolescent years where it's like, well, are you sure that sounds like a lot of work or are you sure that sounds like a lot of money? And it's almost like they're seeing, like sowing these seeds of doubt in our mind. Yeah. And I, it's like, you know, the big question that I guess would be different from person to person is like, what was their intention of telling you that? Yeah. Was the intention to put you on a course that they absolutely felt like you were going to bat 100 on and knock it out of the park? Like everybody's parents usually wants that peace of mind to know, God, you know, one day when I'm not here anymore, I hope in my final moments, I'm not going to be concerned about whether my kids can take care of themselves and their family. Right. So I think it comes that that source, it comes from that place. That's why they want to put you on a road that, you know, has as little, you know, potential of failure as possible. And becoming a professional wrestler, especially two men in the 90s, they had all those hit pieces and on in television and news. Yeah. What parents going to want their kid to go do that? Yeah. So you sent a text message to Triple H after that? Like, did, did Moxley give you Triple H's number and go, here, reach out? Good he luck. Did. He did. And I, I, I waited for the appropriate time to contact him. And like I said, I was on the subway at the time, but like I spoke to him and, uh, it was a it was a super pleasant conversation and and I did I did have a, a correspondence over the years periodically with WWE on and off for background work or like tryouts and stuff like that but I really felt like that was I mean that was the conversation that I think really cemented a lot of different things and um, just having the ability to get to know him and understand what it is exactly that he was looking for and I I felt like I I just. I had a feeling that this man, based on what he was producing, was looking for people who were 110% in and then some. Yeah. And then some. And I was like, that's I'm not gonna wait to be told. I'm gonna bring everything I've got, become fully committed to this and embrace the process. Um, and it was uh, it was really funny too. Like I, I told you it was trying to protect uh that I had gotten signed there. And yeah. I was very concerned about people accidentally stooging this off so the first day i went to mc i put on i put on a luchador mask when i walked in so i'm in a three-piece suit with a lucha mask i, <laughs> I used to travel with a, i used to travel with a luchador mask when i went to mexico because sometimes fans or like media would be at the airport and if there's a car outside you can only you know mess around so much with people you need to get outside and get the car so I would put the mask on sometimes when I was going around in the airport and stuff like that. And uh, I showed up there and I the mask and I'm walking up and I was like, I wonder if he's going to recognize me. This might be really weird. I mean, I have to get like this close to him to be like, hey, it's me. This is weird. And then, anyway. you, and then did you finally pull it off? It's me. <laughs> I should have. It was, uh, I think he just knew because it was probably the weirdest thing in there. He just, he was busy with somebody and he looked and he started laughing and then I started laughing. 
And I walked up to him, I shook his hand. I said, sorry, man, I just really want to protect this as much as I can. And I want someone stooging it off. And he laughed and he goes, I appreciate your commitment to this. So we're standing there and we're about to go walk off. And I was like, do you mind if I take this off? I feel like a complete asshole. And he started laughing. He's like, of course, take it off. So, but I just thought it'd be a funny icebreaker to do. And you know. I feel like you either endeared yourself a lot to Triple H or somebody else because you moved up the ranks in NXT like lightning fast. Yeah, um, I don't. I like it. I, I had such an awesome experience there. I don't know how else to put it. Like, I was introduced to the entire chain of command of of everyone. I basically had to answer to, and I asked a lot of questions. I wanted to understand the operation at every level I possibly could. If there was any time or ability for me to go into the truck and listen to what's going on in the truck and watch the show from you know a producer standpoint, what sort of camera angles they were calling for, I really wanted to learn as much about this whole thing as I possibly could. I even recreationally would research what the company was doing outside of what we were directly involved with, like who they're working with and where they're trading and what's going on globally and stuff like that. I, Like I said, I wasn't waiting to be told exactly what I needed to do. And I just thought to myself, I bet the people at the top of the food chain in this industry who we're all aspiring to be working with mm. probably did this or someone smartened them up to it. I was like, I'm going to get ahead of this and I really want to know this. I don't want to be somebody here who's like, you know, in a privileged position or something. I want to, I want to earn every single step I'm going to be given. And if I'm asked a question, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't know. I want to know. Is that a common thing to ask to go into the truck? I don't know. I didn't think about it. I just, I, I could, I could see that going either way. And, you know, this is from the outside looking and I could either see them going, he's really eager to learn, or I could see them being like, he wants to learn too much. This is strange. This is weird. This has never happened before. I, that did that did occur to me, but I just rolled the dice and I was like, I'm crossing my fingers on this. <laughs> Thanks that I'm like trespassing into, you know, territory or something. But it was it was received comfortably by everybody there. So I was like, okay, cool. And I would always talk to the cameraman. I'd always try to find out where they were and what they were shooting. I'd always try to analyze everything I could. You know, I think all of us. I don't know. I would speak for myself. I would imagine all of us, but I'll speak for myself. I was always trying to find and have the perfect match every time I went out there. And I feel like a lot of pro wrestlers, if they're not consciously aware of that, subconsciously, I think they are too. So any sort of edge I could get in order to have that, whether it's a listening or uh, you know, an emotional response from the audience or finding the best camera for the best shot on the best position, I was constantly looking for that all the time. I'm curious, did you ever do that when you were in Impact Wrestling? No. Hmm. So what would be, from an in-ring performer's standpoint, what's the biggest difference between the type of wrestling you see in NXT and the type of wrestling that you see in Impact Wrestling? Um, respectfully, it just feels like a completely different operation. Um, I mean, NXT is, there's more hands on deck, to put it politely. Um, there's a lot more moving parts. Um, the days are much longer, not in a bad way. It's just you arrive early and there's a lot of things to do. You've got pre-tapes, um, scripts will switch. Um, you maybe needed to improv. God forbid somebody gets hurt. You got to go on early or they have to switch something. There's just, I, I never really had encountered stuff like that, uh, prior to working there. And that, you know, before I was even working on the roster, I would always show up the TV and I would sit back at my own business and I would just watch things on ground level. See, you know, the speed that everybody's working at, not 
to eavesdrop, but to politely listen in on how people are communicating, what sort of verbs you're using. Just try to learn the lingo. And so when they call your number, the transition makes sense and you're, you know, a pleasure to work with. Yeah. And I feel like your debut was like lightning in a bottle. You've got a great look, amazing entrance music. You've got Scarlet by your side. And then they put you on this winning streak. It's like you were set up to succeed in the best possible way. Oh, yeah. It was amazing, man. And I got the best people to absolutely work with. The only thing I, the only two things I, you know, and I'm grateful for it all. I just wish the two things I had was full attendance and I wish we had NXT house shows. I really do. I would. I, I just wish that I could have got a little bit more time with people. Some people were so fun to work with, man. And then, you know, when you get out of the ring, you realize there, you know, these equations start going off in your head of a dozen different ways to do things better. And um, oftentimes, aside from Finn, I didn't get to revisit people I really enjoyed working with. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, which is a super important part of my morning routine. With one scoop of Athletic Greens, you get 75 high-quality vitamins, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. And best of all, it tastes amazing, and it's really helped with better sleep quality and recovery for me. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever it is, it fits right into your diet. Look, lots of people take some kind of multivitamin, and I think it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. That's why I drink Athletic Greens every morning, and that's why it's recommended by professional athletes in all kinds of different sports. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially since it's cold and flu season right now. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash insight. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash insight to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I want to talk about the championship match where you win the NXT title. At what point do you realize, oh, I might be really hurt here? Oh, I was in denial about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it was like a... It was a simple bump. I really just, to this day, can't tell you what exactly happened. Um, maybe it's the accumulation of things over time. I don't know. It was just super unusual. Just um, our, 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 you know, our rhythm was off that night, and it can happen to anybody. And I don't know. As soon as I began passing the middle of the ring, I knew something was going to go wrong, and it did. It's hard to explain, but as soon as I landed, I, I literally, my whole, my whole mind went in slow motion. Um, I had a very, very strange experience. It, it made a strange noise. I can't tell you exactly what kind of noise it was. It was like a crunch. Mm. And um, when that adrenaline's going, you could run through a wall. So it made a crunch. And then like, I felt something move. I felt something shift. And I was like, nope. I'm not going to let them see that in the truck. I'm shoving that back in. So I grab it and try to like rub it back in. Because my, my fear right now is something is wrong and they're going to stop the match. And I was like, no way, I'm shoving it back in. And then I'm was, winning the championship. <laughs> yes. I was like, you know, so many years to get to this one night and this happens. Oh, So I try to shove it back in. doesn't go in. And I was like, oh, damn. So I sit up and I roll my shoulder forward a little bit just to see if it comes out. And sure enough, it's sticking out like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I was like, no, man. I was like, oh, and the referee asked me if I was all right. And I said, yep, <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> I do. I just, I just, there was so much, man. I am like, I, I can, I can tell you all the things that I thought about in that moment that happened. But ultimately um, the main thing was to just, I was like, I'm persevering through this. It occurred to me immediately that this was an opportunity to show people that you can tell people how tough you are all you want on TV every single week. Some may believe it, some might not. This is an opportunity to show your peers, all the people that have put equity into you and the people watching at home how tough you actually really are. Because now this is, you know, some serious shit. Yeah. And now you got to prove it. You really got to prove it. So I took it as an opportunity to do that. So you win the title, then you go to the back and you're probably like, well, I likely won't be defending this anytime soon. Or did you think you could somehow work through this? Um, it was slowly creeping into me and I was getting so upset, man. I, so what happened after the match, um, Hunter road dog, uh, Johnny Russo had, uh, walked up to me in the middle of the stage before I could get back there. And they just walked up to me and I saw the look on their face and I was like, it's worse than I think because like it, it was just on them. You know what I mean? Mm. And, um, I was just becoming like perpetually devastated. <laughs> and then they had to, they had to walk by me because it was Keith's last night. And so I'm of course playing it down. I'm like, ah, I'll be fine. You know what I mean? So they're not overly concerned, but the, there's enough human concern there. And they did Keith's farewell speech in the ring with everybody out there. And I didn't want to be rude. So I stood there um, with my shoulder basically broken as long as I possibly could through 
Keith's farewell ceremony because that's a, that's an important thing to be present for. Yeah. And I just kept looking at it and I was like, oh man. And I was holding the belt with it on the right arm. And I was like, I should probably switch hands. And I switch, switch hands with it. And I just watch it shift forward. And I'm like, oh man. So like, I kind of like, I waited till that was done. And then I went to, I went to medical and then they gave me the news. And I was just thinking about all the years and everything I put into it. It, it, it really sucked, man. Like emotionally, it was, it just sucked. I felt like I let everybody down when that happened. Did you instantly think all of the momentum that I have is completely gone now? Yep. I thought that was it. I thought there was going to be no reason whatsoever for them to revisit that at all. It's business. Business is business. And, you know, it's you take one cog out and put another one in. And I didn't hold that against them. I just, I know what this is. And then I was totally blown away. Like, that's not at all what happened. And they had every single, you know, every single right, every single reason to do something like that. Um, and, it, and it would not have been their fault, but they didn't do that. And they gave me a second shot. And I had privately thanked them for that. Um, mm. I was very grateful for that. And then you go to the main roster and like, you want to talk about momentum going away. Like, geez, were you as shocked as everybody else was? Uh, I think, um, I don't know. I think everyone else was really shocked. <laughs> and I think I was, everyone else was just like pissed off too. Yeah, they were really angry. Um, and I, I felt that coming too. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I can really say about it. It's like uh, we all kind of, I mean, trust me, we were all, all of us, me, you, and everybody, even though I was living it, we were all watching the same thing and kind of going like, what is going on here? You know? Um, I, I, in my thought process is like, because the ideas and concepts were introduced to me, that there would be this master plan behind it. So you got to understand from my point of view, look at the guys that have been working with. They're all incredible. And yeah. being in the machine, you know, even management, writers, everybody, medical team. Um, I was just used to a certain type of premeditated energy, you know? And so I assumed with this, it would be there tenfold. Gets us the flagship show. So I had reservations about how far this was gonna go and what would wind up happening to me. But in the beginning, I was trying to be optimistic. And I was like, hopefully there's there's wheels on this thing and people plan to, you know, do something with it that, you know, had some sort of extension of continuity of what people were watching, because continuity is very important for wrestling and storytelling. Yeah. Do they assume that when you go to the main roster that the general fan base isn't familiar with your previous work? Is is that what the consensus is? Um, I can't say exactly what the overall consensus is because I feel like the consensus is different between each person. Everyone has their own opinion or perception or their own comprehension or conceptualization of what's happening when a person transitions from NXT to Raw. But um, I mean, I'm sure some people feel that way. Yeah. I mean, so debut match against Jeff Hardy. Awesome. And then you're supposed to have like, I think it's 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Also awesome. And then out of nowhere, it gets cut down to 90 seconds while you're standing in the ring. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, uh, yeah, just unusual. I mean, it's easy work, right? But I mean, that's, I, I'd rather, I'd rather... Most of us would rather have a 10 
out of 10 match than, than easy work. I mean, easy work's available anywhere, any walk of life, you know? Yeah. So, but that, that happens, you know what I mean? <laughs> it happens. Unfortunately, it happened to me. Um, and I just was hoping that Jeff and I were going to get a launch of the program. Him and I worked a lot of, um, we worked a few house shows actually, I should say, and we got our time and man, being able to maestro the audience, especially with Jeff, and we were working mm-hmm. in the Carolinas at the time. That was amazing. And, and being able to have that time that we wish we would have gotten for television. Um, I wish more people got to see it, but yeah. had people gotten to, and if we, if him and I got to go to extreme rules and we had our TLC match, Oh, we both wanted it. We both wanted it. We would have shown you guys something you haven't seen in a long time. Mm. When you and I exchanged texts a few months ago, right after you got released, you said it was the most bizarre four months of your life. What was the most bizarre part about this? Um, the most bizarre part about it was the transition of the outfit. <laughs> And the, the, the lack of explanation that we failed to provide to the audience. Because as I said before, not at all to be redundant. I, it's just continuity is extremely important, especially in storytelling. We're conditioning the audience. Um, you know, the, like they are expecting to be, you know, to have things explained. And if they're not going to be immediate, immediately explained, they, they have to be explained at some point. Like that patience only lasts for so long. And if it's not explained, I feel like the audience, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the audience feels like they're not being let in on something. That or they check out and they go into analysis mode, you know what I mean? Where they're going to draw conclusions and they're going to basically, you know, they're going to emotionally check out, which is the absolute worst thing you could possibly want to have for a wrestling show. People yeah. stop paying attention to the story you're trying to tell and they sit there like this because they just don't understand what's happening. That was that was happening every week. I could feel it. I could hear it. I could see it. And, you know, it's a big ship up there and I, you know, had a very small part to play and I, I did that as best as I could. But the fans needed more of an explanation as to why this was happening. Yeah. And we never got it. So it just became this bizarre um, thing that they were watching. When you get called up to the main roster initially, do they lay out a plan for you? Do they go, here's who we think your first program is going to be with. And then if that goes well, that'll lead to X, Y, and Z down the road? No. But I did I did have several people tell me that, I, that there were conversations at one point of me working with... Uh, Randy, uh, Bobby, Drew, Ray, and maybe Roman. But uh, it wasn't anything concrete. My name was being mentioned with theirs as, you know, like possible matchups and stuff like that, which I was absolutely thrilled for. I mean, who wouldn't be? Of course, you're working there. Of course, you want to work with these people. They're the best of the best. But um, when when I had gotten there, there wasn't really any discussion of that. you're just kind of showing up and doing what they tell you to do. And then did you just think like, this isn't going as I thought it might go. Like, maybe I'm not going to stick around here. Like maybe they're going to release me. They've released a whole bunch of my colleagues. Yeah. I thought for sure I was getting released because um, I knew that the segments weren't getting over. It was very obvious to me. Um, and a smartened up fan watching, being able to read between the lines could see what was happening. So 
I mean, I just knew, I knew it was going to be a matter of time. Uh, one of the big things for me, and it might not be a big thing in general for other people to see, but like the like snap reaction of being debuted um, on the main show without any sort of uh, vignette or any sort of notice, you know, it was just sort of like out of nowhere. It was like, there was no next week he's going to be here or, or nothing. Right. So I thought that was, that was weird. Like it was intuitively a red flag, I guess. Mm. I thought that, that was unusual. I thought that was a sign of bad things to come. <laughs> when they release you, they just say budget cuts. That's it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but I, I, I had, a, I had a call. It was very respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there's rumors online that it's like WWE's leaning towards having younger talent there. Did you ever get the feeling that because your age begins with a three, that you're not as welcome there? I never got that, to be honest with you. And I'm, I hope that doesn't piss any of my peers off, but like, I'm just being honest. I never, I, no one ever made me ever feel like that. That never ever came. So what now? Like, I feel like this has come full circle, right? Like, this is almost like the conversation that we had two years ago where you've got a lot of options in front of you. So what, what speaks to you now? A lot of things, you know, like, I realized that I like to create. Uh, I've been somewhat aware of this, but I, I like to create things. I like to create music. I like to paint. I love professional wrestling. I love to create stories for people. Um, I love to create shorts and, and, and stuff like that, short films. And um, I don't know. I just like that's something I like to do. So anything within that field is probably going to be of interest. In me. And being, um, how do I say this? Being bound to a script or the ideas of others um, and then being released from that has really made me very hungry to create even more. Mm. So I'm feeling very motivated, very inspired, feeling very creative to express that. So wherever, wherever those opportunities may arise, whether it's with music or television or movies, definitely going back to wrestling, um, I'm going to be there. And I'll be very engaged. We talked a lot last time about filmmaking and are you interested in making films? Like, I mean, like directing films, writing films, as well as being in them? I would be for sure. I, de I definitely know for sure that I'm going to be writing and directing films at some point. What I, what I feel that I should do is I think I should learn it um, from the ground up at an academic level. I should probably take some courses and speak to some people. Um, and I have a bunch of people I could call up and talk to and probably shadow them on the job and stuff like that. That is definitely something I do want to do for sure. Yeah. I know we can't live in the past, but with hindsight being 2020, what if you had taken the other fork in the road and gone down the AEW path? What do you think your career would look like? <laughs> I'd probably still be wrestling. I don't think I have this down. <laughs> You'll be wrestling soon enough. Come on. Oh, no, I know. Um, I'm sure I would have been happy. I'm sure I would have been creatively fulfilled. Um, all of my friends worked for AEW. I had only a couple friends working in WWE and, um, I would have been in very good company and, um, not that I wasn't with, with NXT at all. Locker room was awesome there, but, um, I think I would have loved it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It doesn't sound like you had a bad time in WWE. If things change in a year or two or three, I feel like it wouldn't be surprising to see you back in WWE. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know? Um, I respectfully wouldn't go back into the same circumstances. Just out of a, you know, a logical standpoint, I definitely think I would be interested in a little bit more certainty about things. Yeah. I think one of my biggest mistakes in general is, uh, you know, I do pride myself on being a pleasure to work with, with whatever it is that I'm doing. I like to create that good energy that goes around. And oftentimes I probably should be a little bit more uh, assertive when I think something is a bad idea. But I think the, this, this time around um, with this particular situation, I was really concerned about, you know, possibly having to go back out there into a national economy that is, for lack of better words, still recovering. Um, I think about my family. I think about people that I need to take care of, that I want to take care of. I think about my future. And working for WWE was the best place to be in order to secure stuff like that. So to me, what is it to put on this helmet, you know, some suspenders and wrestle for gasoline? <laughs> the guy from Mad Max, like in comparison to these things that are that important to me, I'll put on whatever they want, but let's acknowledge the fact that this is not the guy you're going to put on a poster or he's not going to be world champion material. And now let's talk about why we're doing that when we built this, right? Yeah. So I weigh things out like that. And, you know, as a, as a grown man and as an adult, you have to weigh out what's really important to you in life. Is creating really good professional wrestling um, important to me? Of course it is. But if somebody else listening you hear me, put yourself in that position. They give you an idea, doesn't seem that great. Do you try to get it over? Or do you say, I'm not doing that, and then get fired for that reason? What are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. Do you still have the helmet? No, I left it in the props truck. That thing, you ever seen Annabelle? It's going to go in a glass case. <laughs> put, a, put a crucifix over it in the basement. <laughs> Keep it away. <laughs> I feel like, you know, the other answer might have been like you took it home and you immediately like burned it or something. I don't know. No, I had no resentment towards it. And what was funny about it, though, I have to tell you, the material it was made out of began to expand in the humidity. So every single week, it, dude, it would get a little bit bigger every week. And it started <laughs> to me, it felt like it was becoming the helmet from Spaceballs. That <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. Oh, uh, so we won't be seeing you in the helmet ever again. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, man. Who came up with the name Carrion? I did. Was this one of many names that you had to present to them? I don't remember, but I remember that was definitely, if there were a series of names, that was the top one. And um, I've always been interested in Greek mythology and um, just old world stuff. Uh, so Chiron was the son of Kronos in Greek mythology. 
it's half man, uh, half horse, like a, like a centaur, mm-hmm. you know, he has his own history. People could look up if they'd like. And then, um, Quran was actually the ferryman that would take the souls from the land of the living over the river sticks to the land of the dead. And I was trying to guess between those two names. And, you know, sometimes in languages, a word uh, means one thing, and then it translates to another with a similar definition. The word carrying, which is like dead flesh, um, I thought was relatively close to those two characters, which have some similarities, but different enough. And I just thought it rolls off the tongue. It's got a nice ring to it. I thought that would be a nice expansion for the character of Killer Cross because um, I don't think for their format, Killer Cross was exactly something they were going to be able to sell to you know that particular market they're working for. Was there ever any thought of going back to being Kevin Cross? I didn't want to go back to Kevin Cross because, um, and and I've said this before, like I very much especially with that company, that is an opportunity to take advantage of engaging the larger-than-life ideology. The way you can be produced there, most other places cannot produce you that way. So I thought to myself, I don't want any sort of resemblance of myself at all in this character. Um, Who I am outside wrestling, as people are beginning to see now that I have hair, it's very shocking. Um, And so, (laughs) like, it's... I, I myself... As, as who I am, would not be, at least I don't think, someone people would show up to see, you know, 80,000 people deep um, in a sporting event um, just because of who I actually am. And it's not that I think that I'm not special. It's just like we're talking about gladiators in the Roman times. You know what I'm saying? Like that mm-hmm. sort of that sort of place. I wanted to give them something that they can't see somewhere else. You can see Kevin Cross in line of the Starbucks. You're you're not you're not going to see Karrion Cross anywhere except for in WWE NXT or in WWE, and I wanted to create a character that just was didn't feel relatable whatsoever. Because at the time, and I'm not I don't mean to be derogatory at all when I say this, there was a ton of relatable personalities and identities on the roster. These are people you feel like you can meet, you can talk to, you can play games with. I mean, whatever. I didn't. I was like, I, I would like to contribute something that is not like that whatsoever at all. So I didn't want to go with your next door neighbor name for, for the character. <laughs> so for people who are familiar with Carrying Cross and maybe haven't seen Killer Cross, what are they in store for when Killer Cross returns? Oh dear. It's gonna be oh dear. <laughs> it's gonna be how to summarize more more psychological. As much as I like to entertain you, I like to inform you. So there will be, I don't know, I've always, I've always tried to entertain people who like to pay attention to the devils uh, in the details, people who don't like everything exactly spelled out for them. Uh, I'm probably going to be going more towards the 18-plus demographic for this, that's for sure. <laughs> and... Yeah, I, I have so many different concepts that I've been sitting on for the last two years that would not work where I was, <clears throat> and I need to get them out. And slowly but surely, I'm doing it, and it feels so good. It's going to be very dark. Do you picture all of this with Scarlet by your side, or is Killer Cross going to do one thing, Scarlet's going to do her thing? Mm. 
a little bit of both hmm. at the appropriate time. Uh, she may be there and in what sort of form is yet to be determined. Hmm. Who are you taking inspiration from these days? Right now, I'm really back into David Cronenberg stuff. Um, I think when we talked, I was very into David Lynch at the time. Yeah. I go through different moods of that type of stuff. Um, I recently just saw a film. Jamie Morgan from Code Orange actually suggested it to me, and I'm so glad he did. So David Cronenberg's son, Brendan Cronenberg, just did a movie recently called Possessor. And without blowing the plot about anything, it is deeply psychological. And when I watched it, that was kind of the place I've been floating in for the last month and a half, really getting into what's actually happening around us as we see it and understanding why it's happening underneath. And that's the kind of the place I'll be creating from for the indefinite future. Mm. The thing I love about the promos that you do or the vignettes that you were creating is that it's very much like, it's like a Christopher Nolan film, you know, like one of our favorite directors here. It like you see something on the surface, like you're saying, but there's also something else that's there if you look hard enough. Yes. And look, fans know when you're treating them like they're stupid. Uh, I've known this before I was in wrestling because I was a fan. <laughs> I still am a fan. The fan in me is still alive and well with what we're watching and doing. And I think it's important not to, as I've said to you before, not, not to let that die because that's sort of like your guidance. That's, that's your radar for what you should be doing to understand what people would like to see and then what people would like to see out of you. And I don't know. I've, I've always just tried to entertain the smartest people in the room. I'm not alienating people who are not interested in what I'm doing. I understand that there's some people who just like their pro wrestling to be sport-based, and they're going to get that from me in the ring anyways, uh, especially now that I'm independent. We're going to be going back to a little bit more of an independent, um, how would I say, Greco-Roman freestyle technical wrestling stuff. I, I kind of stepped away from that with this character presentation, but like I'm, I'm going to be going back to that a little bit. I'm going to be playing in that realm. But I just feel like there's what I want to do on the show will be unique versus what everyone else is doing. And that's going to be good for the entire show because mm. nowadays I think you need a little bit of variety in seven to eight matches. So. I feel like fans are sometimes surprised when they hear that a pro wrestler is inspired by film because I think that so often we're used to pro wrestlers being inspired by other pro wrestlers. And I don't know, I love the idea that you watch films and go, oh, that's something I can take that and put it in my pocket and use later. Totally. And it's, I don't want to kill some of the magic, so I'll be careful how I say this, but I mean, a wrestling match is always going to be a wrestling match. And a wrestling match can be wonderful, or it could be not so great. I think what's really going to determine the highest ratio of having good matches in general is a story. Mm. What's going on here? Okay, one guy wants to win, the other guy doesn't want to lose. Okay, beyond that, you got more matches in the show. Uh, I would like to insert things there um, and then build a match from there. Why is this happening? And yeah, novels, movies, television shows. Um, I see things that I relate with. I mean, I, I feel like I relate a lot with pain. So if I'm watching something and people are, are in pain or in suffering and stuff like that, that speaks to me on a real level because in a Hollywood machine, in feel-good movies, sometimes people... They've just seen too many of them and they don't want to watch them anymore. And I think that's why people watch horror 
um, because horror approaches really difficult subjects. And the most horrifying things in life are things that don't make sense um, because people can't relate. They don't understand why they're happening. It makes them feel displaced. And so I create from those places. What do you think is the best Christopher Nolan film? Oh, that's such a loaded question. How dare you? <laughs> um, for, for me, I can tell you right now, my favorite is still Inception. And that, that movie pisses a lot of people off because by the end of it, they don't really wrap it up in like, a, so you know exactly what happened. But I don't think that you were supposed to know what, what was happening at the end. You're like, you're, you were the one to decide how the movie ends. And I thought that that was very clever and very playful. And that's I, think the, I, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters whether the top keeps spinning or not. But I will say this, the fact that DiCaprio's character walks away from the top also shows that he doesn't care if the top keeps spinning or not. I love that you just said that. Yep, I completely agree with you. Because the rest of the film, he spins it and he watches it like, am I in a dream or am I in, in real life? And he's watching it intently till he gets the answer. And at the end of the movie, he goes, oh, I just don't. Sorry for it. This doesn't ruin it for anybody. Don't worry. I didn't give anything away. But I'm just saying like that he, his character doesn't seem to care anymore. Yeah, which also could be a very wonderful commentary on on people and and everything that happened in the film. You have to remind me, was was Tenant also a Christopher Nolan film? Yes. Yeah, I love Tenant. I actually saw that in theaters and I'm so glad I did. I've seen that multiple times now, still trying to figure it out. And I'm fascinated with the idea of like time travel and Back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time. I love how in Tenant, you can't quite figure out what the actual timeline is here. Yes. Yep, I didn't. Yeah, and I love that I couldn't. Yeah. Also, Interstellar, I did not like the first time I saw it. And now upon watching it, I think I've watched it five times. That scene where Matthew McConaughey comes back from the water planet and watches his kids grow up. I'm like, that is devastating, that scene. Yeah. I watched it once and uh, I had mixed emotions about it, but I definitely felt something watching. If you give it a rewatch, I think that you, you would be pleasantly surprised. Okay. Yeah. What do you think as we wrap this up? What do you think is a film that people watching this right now need to see today? Oh boy. I would suggest that everyone watches The Fountain with Hugh Jackman. The Fountain. Yes. And uh, I would suggest watching it with someone that you're very close with so you can talk about it once it's done. And I don't mm. want to tell you what the film was about, but uh, make sure it's quiet when you watch it. Make sure you don't have any distractions. Put your phones down. If you want to get some popcorn or like some sort of small snack or something and really pay attention to what this film is saying, because there's a message. There's multiple messages in the film. But by the end of it, um, I, I felt like I had an experience uh, within myself watching the movie. And maybe it's because I know people where in life, these things that happen on the film happen to them, but The Fountain is definitely a movie I would recommend. I'm going to go see it tonight. I, I can't believe, I love Hugh Jackman too. He's one of the nicest people on this planet. can't believe I haven't seen this. It's really, it's a wonderful movie. Have you seen Gone Baby Gone? I don't think I have. Okay, so you, you talk about seeing this with somebody who you can have a discussion with after. I don't want to give too much away, but when Gone Baby Gone ends, there is a big moral dilemma. And it's oftentimes 
you'll think one thing and the person you're watching it with may think the complete opposite. And that movie sat with me for days. I mean, I still think about it now and I saw it like a decade ago, but there's the end of that movie is just, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that'll make your mind just be spinning for a long time. All right. You got me, uh, you sold me here. So I, I highly recommend that. Ben Affleck as a director is incredible. Wait a minute. Gone, baby, gone. Wait a minute. No, no, no. I think I did watch this without blowing the plot, right? He has a wife. It's it, Casey Affleck's the star of this movie. Okay. And they're like detectives trying to figure out uh, this. Uh, a child goes missing in their neighborhood and they're trying to like figure out what happened. Hugh Jackman's in it? Hugh Jackman's not in it. That is, that's Prisoners, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. That movie's oh, so good. Yes, it is. I'll check this one out. I will. I know I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. Thank you so much for stopping by, for catching up, and like the, the future's so bright for you. I just I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you so much, man. I uh, I'm excited to engage with everybody on a, on a new level right now. I feel like there's been a a massive shift in consciousness over the last uh, over the last two years since we talked. Uh, remember the last time I talked to you, I told you I felt very introverted. I don't feel that way anymore, man. I feel like I can. I don't know. I just with, with the events of everything that's happened in the world, I feel much more open to talk to people and communicate with people. And uh, I'll be around for these again in the, in the immediate future, for sure. I love that. Well, the question that I ask everybody at the end is I talk about gratitude all the time. So for you, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Number one is to be alive. Number two, that my family is in good health right now. And number three, that I'm going to be marrying this lady, uh, I believe, in January. If I She's right there? She's on the other side of the house. Hello, Scarlett. <laughs> Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. I look forward to what's next for you. Thank you so much. There we go. And every time I talk to him, I'm just so impressed with how well-spoken he is and also how different he is from the character that he plays. And we talked about it here, but if you check out the video on YouTube, he looks like a totally different person with the hair that he has. Take a screenshot, let us know what you thought about this. Let us know what stood out for you the most. If you share it on social media, make sure to give us a tag. He's very active on there. So we can retweet it out or put it on Instagram, on our stories, tag him. He's at Real Killer Cross. I am at Chris Van Vliet. And I'll leave you with this quote from the great Jim Rohn, who says, happiness is not by chance. It's by choice. Be great and be grateful, my friends. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight.